The following talk was given at the Insight Meditation Center in Redwood City, California. Please visit our website at audiodharma.org. As we continue this sitting, I'd encourage you to see if you can develop a heightened concentration to concentration, being concentrated on the breath. But I'd like to offer you some different words instead of concentration. And that is, instead of concentrating on the breath, see if you can settle on the breath. Settle your attention on the breathing. Instead of concentrating the breath, see if you can have a heightened sensitivity to the experience of breathing. Instead of being concentrated on the breath, see if you can sustain a peaceful connection to breathing. If one of those words works better for you, settle, be sensitive, peaceful connection. Approach breathing through those words rather than the word concentration. emphasize something that I said in the morning, but maybe it's easy not to have taken it in. And that is that um, <clears throat> samadhi, right concentration. The word is samadhi, and that probably the word English word concentration might not be the best transla- translation for the word samadhi. And that um, there is no, maybe there's no better word uh, though, so maybe it's just translated as samadhi. And the reason why, the problem with concentration is that it's all too easy for people to think that concentration means um, directing the gaze of the mind's eye to look and kind of focus on something um, as, uh, as if that's what's, you know, as a singular mental activity, the gazing with the mind's eye or holding something in the mind's eye while we're uh, you know, to do the concentration. And that's often how it maybe means in popular, uh, you know, usage of the word in English. You know, concentrate on something, people will say. And you better, you know, concentrate on, you know, writing your shopping list. And so you look, you know, you kind of, sit, you know, you kind of just look at your piece of paper and maybe. So, um, <clears throat> but a samadhi is a state 
So to cultivate samadhi or to develop, to have samadhi on the breath means to not only to, um, you know, to have a certain kind of focus on the breath, but includes a variety of other um, uh, associated mental activities that goes along with it. Because, um, <clears throat> you know, as someone said quite wisely, the mind's always concentrated on something. And whatever the concern of the mind is, you know, for the moment, it's kind of concentrated on that. And it might, you know, and some of you are more concentrated on your distractions than you are on your meditation. You know, if only if you could be as concentrated on your meditation, on your breath, as you are with your distractions, you'd be, you know, in great shape. And, and uh, you know, it's not like we need a lot of concentration to do this concentration meditation. Um, what I like to say is that uh, the amount of concentration you need is uh, however much concentration you needed to take the DMV written test. So the written exam and DMV. But chances are, I think most people are not, you know, so distracted when they're doing that test. And you're thinking about, you know, what happened in high school? And, <laughs> you know, and, um, you know, it's kind of like you, you do it and you give yourself over to do it during that time. And, you know, most people don't think of themselves as being particularly concentrated to writing out the answers to that test. But, um, that's the kind of sustain. Probably, if you can sustain that kind of attention on your breathing, <laughs> as you did for the twenty minutes you did that test, uh, that's all you need, and then it builds from there. So it's not like a high, you know, power thing that we need to do. It's just, um, it's just that the, you know, we were more interested in the DMV test um, than we are sometimes in the breathing. But, uh, but you know, so we we're always concentrated on something, we could say. But the quality of the mind is what we're looking at with samadhi. Not just the fact that where the mind is focusing or directed towards some direction. And uh, so one of the qualities is stability. So the mind is stable or calm. In fact, the words samadhi and calm are, are, are almost synonymous. Concentration and calm in Buddhist language almost synonymous. So much so that when I, my first teacher in Thailand didn't speak any English, we did it through a translator. At one point there was this... Um, I would tell the, the teacher in English, I'm concentrated now, and, or, or I forget which way, which way it went, but say, I'm calm. I think that's the way it went. I said I was calm, and then it would come back through the translator that I was concentrated. And I didn't feel concentrated, I just was calm. But for him, you know, the, somehow the way it was translated, that's it, a synod, that was seen as the same thing almost. So uh, a mind of samadhi, in samadhi, it's not just concentrated like you would be, but it's a mind which is calm, or stable, or settled. Uh, on the, so, without the calmness, without it's you know it's not really going to be sama samadhi, right samadhi. So, some people focus on the calm aspect as a way of getting concentrated. So if you focus on calm too much, you'll fall asleep. And so, there are a variety of different mental functions or activities they come into play when people are developing the samadhi. And, uh, and one of them is, in fact, um, directing your attention to something. So if uh, you're going to focus on the breath, you would, uh, you know, your mind's wandering all over the place, and you decide you're going to start doing the concentration practice, you would direct your attention to the breath. And some people are quite good at that. They notice they've wandered off, and then they direct their attention on the breath and um, place the attention there on the breath. 
And what they're not good at is keeping it there. And that's a different mental function, different mental activity, that once you're there on your focus of concentration, then you keep your attention there. And so part of the, uh, part of generally, most often in Buddhism, the kind of what samadhi is, is not only the mind is directed towards something, but then it stays parked there for a while. It hangs out there, it's stable there. And so one activity is to focus to the object of concentration, direct attention to it, and the other is to keep it there, to hang out there. And it's useful to think of them as two different things, because some people direct their attention to the breath, for example, and they, that's the only thing they know what to do. They've done their job, and then they kind of don't do anything, thinking that the mind's supposed to stay there. Uh, well, surprised to find the mind wanders off right away. It takes a, di- a little different activity of the mind or intention to say, okay, now that I'm here, let's stay here. So let's hang out. And so that's to be kind of like an intention, kind of like, this is what I'm doing now. So, so it's a bringing, placing it on what you're focusing on and then keeping it there. Uh, and then keeping it there, again, it's helpful to think of as stability. Um, we're not force, forcing the mind to be still or to hold it there, but the idea is to, to stabilize or settle the attention, to settle the, the focus on this, so to, so to keep it there. And it does it take a little bit of mental effort to do these things. It takes effort to move the mind and direct it. It takes effort to keep it there. So with it, effort can seem effortless. The effort can seem you know, natural and easy at some point when you kind of clicks. But initially, it might take a little effort on your part. And some people who meditate don't want to make any effort. They think that meditation should be really easy, that it should be effortless. It should just be like, you know, that you, you deserve to be concentrated. And if you, you know... So whatever. So there, so, but there is, it requires some kind of effort. So first, the effort to place the attention someplace and then to keep it there. The, um, um, and then there's other elements that come into play too as we get focused. One of them is, as we can stay and hang out there with the object, that the forces of distraction get weaker until we're no longer distractible, at least temporarily. And so, um, so not, ha- not being pulled, the mind pulled away into thoughts, into uh, emotions, into desires and aversions is a very important part of getting concentrated. So, and that's not something so easy necessarily to do. And some of that depends on the weakening of the forces of distraction, the weakening of the forces of the hindrances, for example, uh, or weakening of our interest in those things. Uh, you know, if you're really honest with yourself, you probably find that many times you're much more interested in the things you think about than you are your breath, for example. So why are you so interested in it? And what does it take? Well, how do you reframe your understanding of meditation so that uh, continue to think about work or relationship or food or whatever you're thinking about? Um, you realize that, you know, you, you lose interest in it for the time being. You no longer are captivated by it or or mesmerized by it, that this is so important to do. So there's a kind of fading away or turning away or willingness to, <clears throat> to disengage from the normal kind of focuses of the mind so you can get settled in a continuous way in this place, you know, the focus you have. And um, so that's, it can be very satisfying to have that happen because, you know, if you've spent a long time trying to meditate and the mind is very distracted, 
and you come back. It can be meaningful to meditate, just come back and show up and be what is there. But it's, um, uh, to have had that for a long time and then finally have the mind settle down and the distractions are no longer in charge. You're no longer tempted, you're no longer pulled in that direction. You just feel like now it's pretty easy to stay present. You're not interested anymore in going out into something else. You're, you're not, you're the hanging out part of this practice is now becomes much more interesting or compelling. Or It's like what the mind wants to do. An image that I like for it is that of a, a bowl you know, with marbles in it. And uh, if you leave the marbles alone, it'll settle in the bottom of the bowl. But if you keep pushing it, you know, uh, then it keeps going up the sides and back and forth. And if you're always, that's all you, if you spend the whole day kind of just hitting the balls, they're all never, never settled, right? But if you leave them alone, they'll settle. And so this settled attention, the mind settles into the bottom of the bowl and stays stable there and stays still, uh, has a lot to do with, I mean, that's kind of where it wants to go, and, but you have to stop uh, spinning the ball, pushing the ball, hitting the ball, and let, let the ball slow down. And then if it slows down, then it's easy to be there in, in, the, in the bowl. Kind of the mind is settled and still, and just, just there with the breath or whatever the object is. And so with that, uh, uh, when that begins to happen and the mind stays focused that way, stays with what's going on, and the distractions are not there, it, it's usually a relief for people. Or, if not a, or, or it's a delight, or people appreciate it. There's appreciation of that. Or a sense of satisfaction with the mind. That, wow, finally, after all this time, my mind is settled, it's there, it's not, I can feel, it's, I can feel now that it's just going to stay there. It's not so easily distracted, it doesn't pull, or maybe if it does get pulled off a little bit into a thought, maybe it's like a rubber band that's there, just, no, I'm not going to go there, it pulls you right back into the, to rest, you know. And so, so then, uh, uh, and so with that comes appreciation, comes delight, comes some kind of happiness. And so then other aspects of this samma samadhi that makes it right concentration, again, it's not just the focus of the mind. Part of this samadhi, right samadhi, is that there's some degree of joy present as well. And so, um, so as, the, as the mind gets more settled and enters into samadhi, uh, there's a joy or pleasure or delight that comes into play. It can be not always experienced as conventional like joy. It could be a light, a feeling of lightness, um, kind of like a heavy versus light, kind of a light feeling uh, in the body. It can be tingling different parts of your body. It could be vibration, different kinds of the body, even some kind of vibrating pressure sometimes in the body that uh, the tradition associates with joy. Um, and, um, but there can be quite, a, uh, quite joy. And some people, their, their lips will start smiling because of the joy. And, some people find actually to turn up the corners of the lips ever so slightly, um, it can speed things up a little bit because it's easier to awaken these kinds of the joy factors that come into play. And then uh, not far away from the joy, which is a little bit more of a, of a mental thrill, even though it can be a physical aspect of it, is something more sublime that's known as, or satisfying, which is called happiness. Um, you know, so happiness is better than, you know, so many people pursue pleasure uh, not realizing that pleasure by itself is not happiness. So drinking alcohol is, might be pleasurable, but there's no real happiness in, in that, perhaps. So, uh, so the pleasure of this joy um, is, is distinct from the more satisfying feeling of being a kind of calm or more peaceful happiness. 
And then um, also part of this uh, complex of you know, samasamadhi, different things that come together, is um, there is a um, sense of unification. The word unification is a very important word for samadhi. And the idea that uh, uh, unification or unity, unifying, is that normally the mind is fragmented. We have a lot of concerns, we're jumping around a lot, uh, we're focusing on our feelings, focusing on our thoughts, focusing on our body sensations, focusing on what's going on around us. There's so, so many things and many different, different thoughts, and so the mind jumps a lot. A lot. And so it, sometimes it's jumping in such a way that it goes in, in opposite directions. Part of you wants to sit still, other part of you wants you to jump up and go run. And um, part of you wants to have a quiet mind, the other part wants to c- compose songs. And you're here, you know, writing songs in your head while you're here or whatever, right? And so, and so you're kind of doing your cross-purposes with yourself. And the unification is you're no longer cross-purposes with yourself. Uh, you're there for a singular purpose. Everything's, everything's organized for the same purpose, for the same thing. And that's part of the delight <clears throat> and the joy of samadhi is the unification coming together. You, all of who you are is there for the same purpose. Um, you're not trying to figure out, do something else, figure something else out. Your emotions, your physical sensations, your body, your thoughts, your energy level, everything is kind of in harmony with the same purpose of samadhi, as opposed to you know different things going on. So uh, this unification is a very important part. Um, this gathering together of everything kind of, in a sense, kind of pointing towards the same focal point. So the gathering together of things. So your, your attention, your intention, your thoughts, if you're thinking a little bit, your, um, uh, your emotions, your, uh, the pleasure, the, the sensations of your body, everything somehow is in harmony and kind of coordinated uh, for, together for this purpose of what you're trying to do. And it's a really, it's one of the reasons why it's such a delight, so this joy comes in concentration, is that every, all of who we are um, is working in harmony. It's a coordinated sense of practice. And so, and so these different things are operating in samadhi. Um, so that's why, you know, it's, I like to call it a state. And the verbs connected to the word samadhi are verbs like to enter or to abide in or to rest in. So one abides in samadhi, one enters samadhi, one rests in samadhi. And so those are different verbs and the verbs, you know, um, um, bear down, <laughs> um, zero in, laser in, you know, on, on whatever you're focusing on. And in, in fact, that you know, I almost prefer to get away from this kind of little idea of the one-pointed laser focus of the mind because it's too simplistic. It's uh, what's really supposed to happen. It's a unification, it's gathering together. So that's one of the reasons why I like the word compose ourselves, and because that's more of a unified experience. You can bring everything together, compose yourself there. You enter into, you establish. So any questions about that? Marie. Usually I'm composed and calm, but when I try to meditate, I fall asleep. Okay. So I so say usually you're calm? Yes. Yeah. So, the, um, um, so then the, probably what's happening is that uh, you're pushing the calm factor too much, and you're using the focus of, of concentration to calm yourself, 
And so for you, uh, you probably get more concentrated. For you, maybe you use the word concentration. Um, uh, you get more concentrated if your engagement with like the breath had more energy to it, more vitality to it. And, uh, and so you want to brighten the mind. So that's one of the, one of the qualities of a concentrated mind is, is a bright mind. So how do you brighten the mind rather than dull the mind? And uh, so there's a variety of ways. One way is to actually use thoughts. And, rather, rather, and so you can actually use whatever thoughts you have to uh, think about the breath, uh, evaluate the breath, uh, uh, consider the breath, explore the breath, kind of, you know, kind of ask questions about the breath as it kind of keep you there a little bit more actively involved. Some people find that just simply um, using mental notes so to note that, you know, looking at the different, different aspects of the breath, get to know the breath better. Don't some people stay, kind of, see the breathing as a, as a whole and just kind of soothe themselves with the whole experience. But it's a, uh, breath is uh, made up of many distinct little subsets of experience. Can you be actually start being discerning or see what are the subsets of the experience? The pressure, the tension, the different kinds of movement, how the movement works, um, the temperature, all kinds of things, tingling, vibration. So get kind of interested and explore, get to know the experience of breath better. Um, so you brighten the mind, the mind's a little more active. And, um, and then you might find that, uh, uh, this, I mean, it's definitely the, the, the deeper reaches or deeper experience of samadhi <clears throat> have a tremendous peace and calm as part of it. But the mind is also quite alert and there's kind of the energy there. And uh, some people say, well, how can I get this, you know, if the purpose of concentration is to get calm and peaceful, I'll just do that directly. You fall asleep, right? <laughs> and, um, but in fact, you need to have this uh, working together of calming and energizing factors to, to actually go to the deepest levels of peace. Thank you. Thank you. Um, <clears throat> I'm Elizabeth. Um, I have uh, two questions. Um, um, first question is, um, can you talk a little bit about your own personal experience with what the difference is between you when you are concentrating and really in the groove with a, a hobby or an activity and when you are really in a place of samadhi when you are meditating? And then... Well, I think that when um, in meditation, when I, you know, at times I've done some kind of hobby or craft or something. Uh, for me, it's uh, it's, uh, it's a lot of some of the same uh, symptoms come along, um, um, but there's much higher intensity to them when I do meditation, um, usually. <clears throat> and um, uh, in in craft, my mind is still thinking usually about the thing I'm doing. In meditation, uh, the tendency to think falls away for me. And in fact, to when my, when my meditation is going well, in fact, it comes to a point, it comes, it goes well enough at some point, or still enough at some point, that you know, why would you start thinking? It's just like work. Like when you start seeing, your know, mind starts thinking, and as it starts thinking, why do I, why do I want to do that? Why do I want to do that? And then go back. And where I craft, I don't think about that. You know, just I think, I think as I want to. <laughs> because I'm thinking about what I'm doing. Um, and, um, and so, and also with, uh, with meditation, remember I talked talk this morning about the self-monitoring aspect of meditation practice. 
So there's a kind of a, a feedback loop that can happen as we stay present and monitoring or taking in what's going on so that as the concentration uh, gets stronger, um, um, the different aspects of samadhi also intensify, which in the way they don't when, you know, in ordinary life where you can't use the feedback loop, you can't... Also in meditation, you don't have to do anything. You know, you don't have to, like a, you don't have to be worried about, you know, getting the glue just right or, you know, or whatever you're trying to do. So <clears throat> you can let go much more and you can allow the intensification or the deepening or the filling out of this peace to happen because, you know, in, in that, again, in some of the stronger experiences of peaceful samadhi, um, I mean, there's, there's, you know, you don't want to do anything. It's like you're in this, it's like you're in this kind of like altered state and, you know, you just want to be, you don't, want to, you don't have to do anything. But, you know, if you're doing a craft, you have to, you're doing something, you know, so it's great to do things. It's a beautiful thing to do. <clears throat> but you're not going to let go of the doing function of the mind. So as I said earlier, one of the faculties, one of the activities of samadhi is this, um, uh, it's what's called technically usually is the initial application of attention and the sustained application of attention. As concentration deepens, those two fall away and you don't need them anymore. When the attention goes into the bottom of the bowl, and then you don't have to keep the attention there anymore, it's just there. So one of the very nice feelings in samadhi is, uh, is when you no longer have to make any effort to stay present. You're just there, you don't have to, you don't have to direct the attention, you don't have to, you don't have to direct attention, you don't have to hold it there, it's not going anywhere. Whereas in, I think in crafts, which you can get concentrated or swimming or running and things like that, you can get very focused and very concentrated in doing these kinds of things, but this um, uh, quieting down of so many different functions, just kind of resting in this deep place. Um, so it's not uncommon for people who are in deep samadhi. I mean, I believe that people who are in really deep samadhi, you can kind of you, you kind of feel it when you with them. You kind of feel the peace that emanates from them, and uh, and often you know in retreats um, they have trouble speaking, or they don't want to speak. You know, they come in and they really they don't they don't sit. Some people sit down and immediately you know, start talking which is a fine thing to do, but, but the important things they have to talk about. And someone who's you know, closely connected, coming out of samadhi and coming to meet and talk, usually they come in and they're quiet for a while. and like, They don't want to talk. <laughs> and um, so there's kind of seizing or this kind of deep kind of tranquility and rest. And so the higher, I think it's easier in meditation to have those I don't know if that, does that answer your question? Close yeah, that moment? was a very good answer. Thank you. <laughs> Sorry, it was so long. I have another one, but I'll let, I'll let somebody else take a turn first. Um, Fiona. Fiona. Uh, many years ago, you had a, back in Palo Alto, you did a course on concentration, and you had us count. And, um, and so I've used that at times to settle the mind, but um, it seems uh, that just the counting, um, it sort of, it stays at a sort of, um, say, shallow level, or I stay at a shallow level, just sort of counting, um, whereas moment, times where I've settled what you're talking about is, um, has never come out of that practice. It's, 
It could it's, be. It's come out of, it seems to have arisen out of mindfulness, you know, a mindfulness practice, uh-huh. and it just settling sort of naturally into something closer to this very deep right. still. So um, what, what's the relationship there? I mean, what I noticed more in the counting practice is that I could see in my daily life how much more focused I could be. It, it, it actually showed up more positively in my daily life than in my seemed to With be. With counting. Yes, than yeah. in my meditation practice. So um, a few things about that. So counting can work very well to get very con- you can get con- very concentrated with counting, but you might have to adjust how you're counting. As you, if you think of, med- of, of samadhi going through phases of or stages of deepening concentration, <clears throat> uh, if you're using counting, you have to change. You have to change gears with the different phases. So if you're continuing to count, you know, say your mind is really distracted, so use your counting to not have the, not be pulled into distraction, stay present. You might have to count the same intensity as the distractions. So you know, and then, but as distractions fall away and you get more focused, that you don't have to count as loud anymore. And so, if you, in fact, if you don't make it softer, the the counting, uh, it just jars you. It's kind of agitated, keeps you agitated. So you have to kind of count more softly. And then you might get more concentrated, more, and then you have to maybe make the the counting even more subtle. And then you know, more and more subtle, kind of soft whisper, really just like a little wisp in the mind of one, you know, as opposed to one. And um, and so sometimes that you know it changes, you know, you know how you do it, uh, and you suggest, and that helps to get, so you can go further. And sometimes you know the function of counting is just to get you in the present moment, so you're not kind of spinning and t- jumping around a lot. And once you're in the present moment, relatively you can stay there. Um, th- then maybe it's not needed anymore. So just drop it. Yeah, it, it felt it. Oh, maybe I just had never made that adjustment, so it felt more like a this big noisy thing going on. Yeah, yeah. If it's too noisy, it's quiet it down. <laughs> to make you know, so it's, it's quiet, it soften it. Can you use the mic? Oh, here it is. Does ardor play a role in concentration? Uh, ardor, it depends what you mean by ardor, but um, certainly energy, effort is a very important quality. I like to think of wholeheartedness. But again, it has to be a balance, because this, the, the, I mean, the, the balance, the, uh, this idea of a balanced effort or balanced approach is very important. So if you're too calm, you fall asleep, or the mind gets dull. But if you have too much energy, the mind is agitated. So what's the right balance? And so the right balance doesn't mean can be a, a, a strong sense of calm and strong energy together. It doesn't mean that everything has to go down. Um, but the, what, how is the balance? How they work together? So ardor, what does it come along with? But so if a, if a wholehearted engagement in the, in the in the Buddhist discussion about mindfulness, he talks about ardency. In Zen, they talk about practicing as if your hair is on fire. Why did you ask? Because you had mentioned it last session on as one of the four components of mindfulness. Mindfulness practice, right. Mm-hmm. I think probably I said urgency, but maybe ardor. Yeah. yeah. I think. 
Could you say something about, oh, I'm Philippa, um, could you say something about one-pointed awareness? Yeah, so one-pointed ekagata, ekagata is, um, I, I, I kind of don't like the term one-pointed because, um, partly because of the way in which people so uh, limit their understanding of what samadhi is to just this laser-like focus, this bearing down, this, you know, that's all about this one-pointedness. Um, but certainly kind of, uh, but what, uh, the, um, uh, you know, I, I don't know how accurate it is to translate uh, differently, but I, I, looked, I looked up this word in, in the Pali Dictionary and looked at what the word gata means, and eka means one, and gata, and it apparently can, it can mean kind of, kind of like a point or the upper edge of something, but um, it also means a direction or, or a destination, so the idea of having a, a, a single direction or a single destination, um, I kind of prefer. So especially a, a single direction, um, uh, at least in my, in my, my mind, that ha- implies that um, everything is directed in the same, everything's pointed in the same direction, everything's for the same purpose, everything has the same d- destination. Whereas one pointed suggests to me just this one, you know, so the idea of, of you know the idea of um, uni, unidirectional means all the different faculties and who we are, are all pointing in the same direction to the same point. It's not like one point focused on one other point. The fo- the point in the control tower focusing on the point of the breath or something. It's like everything is pointed. Everything's directional in that way. So it sounds like you don't, to, um, to get to and to stay in the state of samadhi, you don't need necessarily to, to focus on the breath. You can take a different object. Oh, yes. And I've, I find, um, I like what you said about using the words rest and settle, because I, I can get to a spot and stay there for a, a, little, a little bit, where I feel like I'm at a, I'm in a bowl and I'm in just a resting place and I just stay there, and just right. stay there. And so when you're in a concentration practice, is that the goal, is to find this kind of place and then to stay there? Maybe. It's, uh, <clears throat> it depends what you mean by this, but uh, the goal of, concent- of samadhi practice is to enter into samadhi, a deep state, of composure, of subtleness, of peace, of stability, of, of and clarity. I mean, the, the, see, the idea of clarity, of brightness, is a very important part of this because <clears throat> connected to this, part of the purpose of, of samadhi is to have be able to see clearly. And so you want to have a mind that's clear and bright and, and uh, not a mind that's dull. And How... Um, so that's... It's very helpful to, to hear that because... Um, but it's also a little confusing um, and ups the ante a little bit. Um, oh, if it, I can see how in a retreat um, it'd be easier to, to get to this place right. where there's actually more clarity in your rest. Right. In a daily practice, all of the, the other aspects of the Eightfold Path, you can find easy ways, you know. Right. Not that they are easy to do, but easy ways you can... Every, uh, all kinds of places in our daily lives 
But how about this kind of concentration? If you well, want yeah, to practice I mean, every day. Well, generally the deeper states of samadhi, are, most people are only accessible on retreats. Some people have easy access to them for whatever reason, and even sometimes novices, if people never had much experience, somehow drop into very deep states. <clears throat> and, um, but uh, if you practice every day, then slowly, slowly, your capacity for concentration will increase. And it might be imperceptible each day of the change, but over years, the level of... Because so easy and easy to get concentrated, easy and easy to settled, and to enter these kinds of states. But it might still not be the same degree as in retreat, but it's still very satisfying and meaningful. Um, the, um, one of the d- big dangers about emphasizing concentration, samadhi, the different states of samadhi that a person can enter into, is that uh, there's a lot of uh, striving that happens, a lot of comparative thinking with themselves, like I'm not doing it right, I'm supposed to be someplace, a lot of goal orientation in the practice. Uh, sometimes people compare themselves to each other. You know, you're only a really good Buddhist if you're in the, you know, in one of these samadhis, and I'm not quite up to snuff now. And there's so much suffering around the samadhi thing. So it's best to hold it very lightly, and to understand how it works. And uh, and you know, we're primarily a mindfulness tradition, and um, and so you can always fall back. Mindfulness doesn't require samadhi, yeah. but it's very much supported by samadhi. So whatever samadhi you have is helps mindfulness. But if you can't get the samadhi going, to be very happy and content, you can be mindful. Okay. Thank you. But then understanding some of the elements of samadhi can make it a little bit easier to, to have it arise and happen. And one of, the, one of the things that some people find very, very helpful to cultivate samadhi is to learn to recognize the pleasure or the joy that begins bubbling up or occurring when samadhi begins to happen. Um, and then to accentuate that, to encourage that, to allow it to happen, use it as a biofeedback to encourage you to stay present. You're going, things are going well, you're on the right track. And, uh, and so somehow that keeps you more connected. So some people don't associate, uh, you know, because of the strong emphasis on letting go and just being present for things as they are um, and not getting attached to things, some people uh, shy away from uh, emphasizing the, the, the pleasures and the joys of meditation they come up they feel oh no I'm not supposed to enjoy it enjoyment must be attachment but actually it doesn't have to be attachment and it's, it can be very supportive to recognize those things as they come up and uh, allow them to kind of grow and someone else? is this okay? is this interesting enough for most of you? enough of you? want to thank you because um, up until this point I really didn't understand what was meant by concentration in the way that I do now and um, you know I go into meditate where um, it's like I can feel this wave come over my mind and body where I'm deeply relaxed and very aware but not aware not focused on any one thing Right. it's kind of a general awareness and I didn't really call that concentration. I called it just relaxation and mindfulness. And um, what I find is that it generally doesn't last very long, and I think it's because I'm looking at it going, oh, this is interesting, this is pleasant, 
and it's like the the words start coming and then it it you know it it, it disappears right. and if there is any striving to continue it because it is pleasant then it goes even faster goes away even faster yeah yeah so this is the art so the um it's, it's pretty common for, for people who can drop quickly into some, some samadhi states. It's kind of unusual for them to be in that, um, to get excited uh, or to sort of be reflective about it. And then it kind of that, it's kind of like samadhi. I, I, one of the images I like for samadhi is that, um, especially deeper, some deeper states of it, it's kind of like you're, uh, hopefully this is a nice image for everyone. Some people have been traumatized by water, but, but uh, it's like, like going underwater in a nice, comfortable, safe, beautiful place, and you kind of go underneath for a while, and uh, and uh, and there's you know, and then at some point you surface and your head goes above the water and you can see what's going around, and then you remember it's so nice down there, so you can let yourself go down again, and so with the um, as some, so samadhi is also kind of like you go underneath the surface of thinking, so you and then you have to in order to think you have to kind of come up, and the head has to poke out. And so then you, you, you know, so thinking is a different, you know, is more, a little bit more, you're not, you're not in the samadhi anymore when you're really thinking, you know, just, but then when you let your thoughts go, most of the thoughts go, you kind of submerge again. But some, you know, if you get excited, you start thinking, well, this is cool. <laughs> there it goes, right? And then striving also, you know, oh, this is, you know, can also, you know, bring you out of the water. But, the, but it is possible to have the intention to deepen the samadhi uh, in a way that doesn't involve striving, but involves kind of leaning into or allowing or surrendering, surrendering more fully into it, um, recognizing some of the aspects of it that is going on and allow for it to come along. Uh, Some of these factors, uh, different factors that come into play in samadhi, um, uh, it's a process we're involved in samadhi, if you stay, stay connected to it. And so you have to allow the process to unfold. And um, so sometimes, for example, the joy factor that come up, uh, some people that factor needs to become stronger to go for, for it to be de- to smarty to develop. Sometimes it can be quite intense. And then at some point, uh, a number of things can happen. One thing is at some point, the, the, the joy is that becomes kind of like tiring or enough of it or it's kind of like, gee, you know, this is kind of, it's starting to be a drag, all this rapture, I mean. <laughs> You know, it's like I've been there, done that, and you know, it's like, and uh, you know, the first time you have it, like this is fantastic, wow. But then you know, and you get a, you get, a, get an intuitive sense there's something better because it's kind of tiring to have the rapture if there's rapture, and so then um, there's a kind of letting go of that or kind of surrendering into something that's deeper, or, or and so then there's a deeper kind of happiness that can be there. It's deeper sense of satisfaction or something. So you the 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 joy factor kind of fades away and you're kind of left with this deeper happiness factor. And at some point, the happiness factor seems a little bit too much or a little bit too old or something. So the happiness goes away. And some of this is just a natural process, just keep focusing, staying present. And uh, some of it, sometimes it can kind of lean into it or allow for it. or um, There can be some, vo- some volition involved in it, very, very lightweight volition. But yes, but without striving or wanting or expecting. Make some sense? Yeah, thank you. Could you speak about the usefulness 
of noticing the fine-grained characteristics of each breath, such as uh, shallow versus deep, rapid versus slow. That's not that fine-grained. There's that. That's pretty coarse-grained. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, and, and, and to what extent this fits into samadhi? Um... Well, uh, if you take samadhi to be a very broad term, it includes any state of, of being absorbed in what you're doing. So you can get absorbed in the fine details of breath. That's usually seen as a mindfulness practice. But we don't, we don't have to s- uh, separate out mindfulness from samadhi. You, go into, uh, you can go into s- states of samadhi doing mindfulness practice. And so as you kind of do this fine, detailed mindfulness study, seeing the subtle rising and passing of of many sensations in one in-breath and many sensations in one out-breath, and the, uh, you, a lot of the strong symptoms or signs of samadhi can arise in people um, with that attention, kind of attention. Um, generally, when people do concentration practice as opposed to mindfulness practice, you don't make a lot of effort to look at the subtle uh, sensations. It's enough just to kind of in a very general way know your breathing as long as you can stay present for the breath. And you, you want to stay there. It's kind of like the difference maybe between, um, you know, someone stroking your hand and it just feels really nice to be stroked. And then, I don't know if this works, the dermatologist is stroking your hand, but they're kind of like feeling all the bumps and what's underneath it. And they're like really trying to get into the details of what's there. And, you know, it's, you know, you know they're, they're quite focused on what they're doing, but it's for a different kind of purpose. And so... So, you know, for the purpose of being petted, it doesn't, you know, you don't have to know very details to enjoy that. For its purpose of dermatologist, every little bump has a little, tells a story, I guess, I don't know. And um, so, um, so, because, and so, because, uh, so generally, if, uh, if the relationship to breathing is really simple and not looking at the fine details, it's usually, it's possible for the samadhi to be more intense. Could you say something about the value or the different type of personality, perhaps, um, who would be better to use metapractice as a, um, as a modality for concentration? Great, for samadhi. The, um, um, yeah, so metta is a fantastic uh, thing to settle and focus, stabilize the mind. Uh, I think sometimes um, it's helpful if there's a lot of... Um, uh, anger, ill will, a lot of uh, self-criticism operating because it kind of balances this, balances or kind of settles the self-criticism that needs to be settled unless, you know, in order to be, uh, or the anger, the ill will, in order to get concentrated. So, Samadhi, is it a... A heightening of awareness. Mm-hmm. You call that? Because it's, it sounds, in some respects, like it's a. It's like a. I don't. Coming in. 
um, kind of a, a more of, of pulling, coming, coming into deeper into yourself, it can as be. opposed to so, so. a heightened awareness that's includes yourself. But could, could, could it be both? So, 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 yeah. So, I mean, one of the terms, important terms that the Buddhist tradition has for almost synonymous with samadhi, sometimes synonymous with samadhi, is the word. Um, um, uh, what is it? Um, anyway, seclusion. The word is usually translated seclusion, where you're secluding yourself from the world, sounds, the activities around you, and so there's kind of a peace, part of the peacefulness is you're kind of secluded, or you know, uh, what viveka viveka is the word, yeah. So um, you know you're separated from the, all the things, and so the deeper and deeper you go, you get more and more separated. So sometimes at some point, you know, you, you're not going to hear sounds much around you anymore. Uh, the sense of a body disappears, um, body sensations disappear. The um, and so you're not only secluded from the world around you, you're also kind of secluded or separated from the normal experiences of yourself. And at some point, in strong samadhi, there's no experience of body at all. And um, and um, and the stronger strongest samadhi states, there's no almost you know just you know it's. Uh, but as samadhi gets stronger, it isn't like you it isn't like you're you pulled into a small little shriveled dried seed. Um, even though you get secluded, in some ways there's a kind of pulling away from the world for those while you're in meditation. Um, the mind can feel more and more expansive and open. It you know, has no boundaries. It's very spa- big. The mind gets bigger and bigger and bigger. And quite expansive. And, uh, and so that when people come out of the meditation, you, uh, often that expansive quality of mind continues. And so there's a kind of open heart, very broad mind, kind of just everything's included. You know, and if the mind comes out of samadhi, if you, if you come out of samadhi, and the mind is very peaceful, very spacious, very quiet, um, it, not picking up the usual mental conceptualization doing it, it usually does. Uh, the sense of self and other, boundaries between self and other, uh, can fall away for a while. So there's this much stronger sense of intimacy and oneness with things around you and very expansive. Um, but not because you're trying to be expansive, or trying to be one with things, it's just that's how it is. You're just like there. And, um, and um, but uh, um, but yes, in meditation with your eyes closed, you know it is a kind of you could say it's a kind of drawing in or, or dropping away. And I mean, I don't know if drawing in is the right word, but a, a dropping dropping of things, letting all this the rest of the world fall away. So it sounds like it's um, a sense of really losing that sense of, of self. I mean, it's... The deeper samadhi, a, the sense of self, is, uh, you know, sense of, uh, much, of the, much of our conventional sense of self and self, the way we operate and think about ourselves falls, falls away. You know, it wouldn't, it wouldn't, all kinds of things just wouldn't occur to you. Um, I mean, you know, you're sitting there and there's no body, you know, even the you know so many things you'd normally think about yourself you know it just doesn't matter you don't it doesn't occur to you I mean, it, it wouldn't occur to you to be concerned of whether you have a zit or not or whether 
you know, if whether, you know, you need to go to the, get a haircut or not. You know, you know what do people think about my hairdo? It just, just wouldn't, you know, just, you know, the mind's just not going to do it, right? It's just, like, those kinds of ideas of self don't operate. You know, just don't, they don't, they don't compute, they don't make sense, why would you? It's like, it, it's like, you know, why would you, you're sitting here quietly meditating, why would you start thinking about what day of the week trash pickup is on Page Street in San Francisco? <laughs> you know, it's just, why would you, you know, you, it just doesn't occur, you know, Page Street in San Francisco and trash pickup, why would you, it never occurred to you, I mean, Right, so you just wouldn't go there. So, so all kinds of things that normally you think about in your daily life about yourself, you wouldn't think about in these sta- deep states of well-being. And you look troubled, suspicious. Maybe suspicious is the word. <laughs> so over over here. And then we'll take a break. Well, I I wonder if you could talk a little bit about the jhana states. Uh-huh. I was um, at Spirit Rock on a day long, and there was a presentation on jhana, and you know how many states you can get to before you go, go over the edge or something. <laughs> um, and so I wasn't really clear on it. And I know we don't discuss it here or talk about it; it doesn't seem important. But I have some confusion about just what the jhana states are. Mm-hmm. So the, 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 the jhanas are uh, samadhi states. And, um, and the usual way that the uh, sama samadhi right concentration is defined in the early text is defined in reference to these four jhanas. So they have a strong history in Buddhism, canonical reference point and authority because they're there in such a big way. And so... Um, and so the, there's four jhanas, and these four uh, uh, are four progressively um, uh, more tranquil states. So progressively less, uh, more, more, more settled, more deeper samadhi, more peaceful, less mental activities going on. So um, <clears throat> in the first uh, jhana, they say that, um, that uh, uh, one of the important characteristics of that is the presence of this initial application of attention and sustained application. In the second jhana, you no longer need to do those things. Those things, you're just there. You don't need to apply and sustain. You're just there. Um, And so that's great. And then, um, but what characterizes the second one is a lot of joy. And then as things get more focused and more peaceful, uh, then the joy uh, morphs or settles away and is replaced by a strong sense of happiness and, and equanimity, and then the fourth jhana, the uh, any sense of, of that, that sense of happiness that was there, the pleasure that was there, um, in the third falls away, and uh, there's no experience anymore of pleasure or pain in the fourth in the fourth jhana, and it's much more pleasant. <laughs> so it seems like a little bit of paradox. How can it be more pleasant if there's no pleasure or pain? But uh, it's much more satisfying and meaningful. And it's a very deep states of, of peace uh, where uh, there's also a, um, uh, a, very, a, a heightened clarity of the mind that uh, the, tr- the tradition describes as pure mindfulness 
due to equanimity. So, or, or pure awareness due to equanimity. So there's a very profound... So one of the characteristics of this fourth one is a strong state of equanimity. I mean, the mind doesn't react, it's balanced. Whatever goes on, it's not, it's, 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 it's not ruffled by anything at all. In the sense of being unruffable, unagitatable, uh, feels so... It's such a beautiful, profound state to feel and be in. It's, like, it's almost like having a strong emotional emotion, but the strong, beautiful, meaningful emotion is equanimity. And so uh, some, some teachers emphasize these four and name them first, second, third, fourth jhana a lot. And it's really important for them. And, um, and some, uh, some teachers like myself prefer not to um, uh, refer to the jhanas per se as things, as particular states. Um, but there are these quantities, kind of um, quantum leap or qualitative shifts that happen to people. Sometimes they can happen very suddenly. You know, if you really feel like a shift change happens. And sometimes they happen kind of slowly and gradual from one to the other. <clears throat> and, um, and the, um, but rather than focusing on the noun, the state, the thing, I'm more interested in the, the, uh, noticing um, the factors that are actually going on, the, the particular components of it, and becoming wise and understanding about those and let those unfold in the way that they're going to unfold. And so they, they, they unfold in ways that things get more concentrated, more samadhi, more still. And they kind of follow the, you know, the certain kind of sequence that's relatively well known that maps really relatively well over the, the jhanas. Um, you know, it's called jhanas. Um, myself, um, I just, uh, just seems more complicated than it needs to be. And also, when people look at have these four states, that the purpose of it is to go into these four states, then it, um, people get distracted, they get caught up in what it means to have them, the identity issues and striving and comparison. There's a lot of things that happen when we... Um, but if you're, if you're developing the, the, the ability to monitor yourself, understand, be mindful of what's happening, learn how to work the particular factors and, and wise about how they work, I think it's less likely going to be caught up in the the need for a particular state and, and all that. And then let these factors unfold as they are. And, um, and also the, the deeper wisdom that's possible uh, th- uh, can happen in any of these states. And so sometimes I, f- I believe you focus too much on the states, um, the wisdom factors, the wisdom that can come from that isn't as easily available. So, you know, but other teachers will have different opinions about this. Maybe it depends a little bit. Uh, each teacher, most teachers teach what worked for them. And uh, what worked for me was not any particular focus on the state, per se, but rather on the unfolding of these factors and the settling and deepening in it. And so I, n- I never really cared so much to map, map it on top of the states. There are more than there, there, there are, are there more than four in the in the in the in um, in the in the teachings of the Buddha there were only four jhanas, but there were in addition recognized four more sublime or deeper states of samadhi that in his days were called the four bases, four bases, four bases, and um, but they're definitely deeper states. So in the, these four bases, they are f- called formless absorptions because 
the world, the world as we normally know it, is not present in awareness. So there's no experience of a body. Um, um, you know, so there's just just space. You know, a lot of space, a lot of you know, a lot of broad feeling of awareness or consciousness. And the um, as the tradition developed after the time of the Buddha, uh, they started uh, calling the these four bases the the f- uh, uh, four higher jhanas. So then we have a system of eight jhanas when they were com- combined. And then there, a little bit, there's a minor tradition of nine jhanas, depending how you divide them up. And so nowadays in modern Theravada, they talk about eight jhanas. Thank you. Okay. So I hope that was interesting for you or useful. I'm not so interested in whether it's interesting, but hopefully it's useful. So let's take a short break. Can we do this in uh, 10 minutes? And then we'll come back for the last 20, 25 minutes for 